Welcome back, brothers and sisters, to the next installment of the Living Waters Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Dylan. I hope you've all been doing well and have had some time to just kind of relax and meditate on some things. I know it's been a little while since our previous episode, but I've been on vacation. I actually got to have some uh, fun, exciting moments. I'm actually coming to you from a cabin down in Tennessee. Um got to share some you know beautiful moments down here and while i'm only halfway through vacation it has been and just completely amazing time um got to propose to the woman who is the love of my life and um she accepted and it's just been a whirlwind of emotions uh celebrated my 30th birthday while i was down here and it's just given me some time to kind of think and reflect on some things that you know, went along in Jesus' life. Because the more that I sat and kind of thought about everything that was going on, the more I thought about how Jesus began his life, his ministry, I guess I should say. Um, Right after his 30th birthday is when everything began to kind of transpire there. That's where everything really began to take heart and take place. And so as I kind of reflected on, you know, what my years ahead would be, it really kind of dawned on me that this is this is the time and this is the beginning of new ministries to be birthed in my life to you know really kind of step out from the fold and you know move on in the direction that God's been calling me. You know, we've talked about being fishers of men and what this whole Living Waters podcast is really about and generally speaking what that comes down to is um, really reaching out to the masses and making a difference in everyone's lives. And I just think it's just an amazing time that God happened to bring this into my life and, you know, really open up doors that I was too afraid to walk through before. And it just seems like, you know, they say whenever you turn 30, you start making wiser decisions. You start thinking like a little bit of an older, wiser person. And so I don't know if some of that wisdom that was with Solomon, you know, kind of descended upon me or what it might have been but it seems like things in my life are starting to move in one direction it's like I can see the stars aligning and the pathways opening and God just making a way through it all so I'm just ecstatic for everything that he has to offer and just really interested to see where things are going to take off and go and that's what brings us here brings us to a moment where We get to spend a little time together and talk with one another. Even though I may not be directly hearing you, I hope that you're engaging in conversation as we're going through, you know, this podcast, each episode. You know, I might propose some questions out there and I'm hoping that, you know, subconsciously or even out loud you're answering and, you know, kind of cheering along and going with it because I want you to feel active. I want you to feel engaged in it. I don't want this to seem something that's depressing or you know a struggle to get through we wanted to have fun we want to you know come together as the body of christ and you know really have a good time with one another so i'm just really hoping that you know this is you know an eye-opening adventure for you and so i guess that brings me into a little bit more how i was talking about how i was meditating on jesus as his life his ministries really took off whenever he turned 30 And it brought me to the idea that, unfortunately, sometimes we are blocked by our hometowns. We are, you know, 
unable to carry out our ministries because the people around us know exactly who we are and know exactly what we're capable of. But they kind of hold that against us. They don't want to see the good things that God has done in our lives or see exactly where God has brought us through or maybe what it is that he has planned for us in the future. They kind of only see us as that person that they've known us to always be. And maybe sometimes that was maybe the party animal in our lives, right? Maybe we were the ones that were constantly out partying, having fun all the time. And it's not to cast judgment on anybody, but maybe that's exactly how they remember us. And they're like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way that that, that person who claims to be a pastor, who claims to, you know have their life together, claims to be a Christian, has changed. I know exactly where they came from, what cloth they were cut from. I know exactly where they've been. And we get ourselves in this deception of doubt where we just feel like we can't do anything because all surrounding around us are people who's looking at where we've been, where we've come from, who they know us to be. And it just kind of holds us back there maybe a little bit where we feel like we're unable to do what God has called us to do. Or maybe it's just a societal trend. Maybe it's something in your particular culture that holds you back and says, well, you know, this really wasn't a job that was meant for you, for your type, for your characteristics. Maybe you're a woman, for example. And I know there's a lot of churches out there that believe a woman can't lead, a woman can't preach. But I'm here to tell you that, believe it or not, it's women that tend to have the most faith. They tend to have a closer calling with what God is you know, really calling out to them. And they don't necessarily waver. It tends to be the praying grandmothers that change lives, right? The ones that are unrelenting, unwilling to give up, that are willing to get down on their hands and knees and cry out to God every time something goes wrong. And I tell you, thank God for a praying grandmother. They're what keeps you on the right path and really leads you to where you need to be. But at the same time, it's not to say that, you know, women can't, be leaders. Women can't be preachers. Women can't be called to spread the word of God because they can be. They really can. It doesn't mean that maybe there isn't some things that we don't have to be cautious of because sometimes we all get a little emotional and I know that tends to be the biggest stigma that comes on women. But it seems like they get held back in those regards. Or maybe it's the former inmate you know, tattoos up and down his body all over the place. You can't go out and lead a youth group. You're just going to lead them down the wrong direction. You're not going to get them where they need to be. But see, whenever we're forgiven, Jesus just cast that sin as far as the east is from the west. There's no remembrance of it. There's no looking back on it. There's no going back and digging it up and pointing it in your face and saying, ha, I remember who you were. I know exactly where you came from. Now, once that's gone, it's gone. 
and you don't have to worry or stress or fear of that anymore. And so we just have to keep in mind that we can't let where we've come from, what we've done, where we've been, determine the next steps in our future. Because there's going to be tons of disbelief, especially from the people that are closest to us. And so I guess this entire episode is going to be more about, I don't want to say the doubting Thomas in your life, but more the doubting hometown. Because if Jesus couldn't do anything in his hometown, you know, we got to kind of think about that. He went back to his hometown to try and, you know, spread the word to them to, you know, get them to think outside the box a little bit. And he told them that, that he couldn't even perform miracles in his hometown. And that's Jesus. That's God in the flesh. That is the living word of God. Could not perform miracles in his own hometown where he was brought up and raised and it's because they just looked at him for who he was who they knew him to be growing up and that was just a man they didn't believe any of the other portions they didn't believe any of the other facts they didn't want to see because they were blinded and unfortunately a lot of our friends, our loved ones, our people that we're closest to are living exactly the same way. They're going to tell you that it's a waste of time, that you shouldn't be doing it, and there's no way that you're going to make a difference. Who are you? One person. Out of seven billion. How are you going to change the world? See, that's just the enemy talking. He's putting those doubts in your head. And it's just because of that doubting hometown that you feel like you can't go through and you can't do anything. But see, we're living in a generation that is completely different than any other. We're living in a generation that, for the most part, really doesn't know who Jesus is, except that, well, you say his name wrong, it's probably a swear word, right? They don't actually know the things that he did. They don't know the true story of the gospel. They don't know about the God that loves them unconditionally, that fought for them, that was willing to go make the greatest sacrifice ever for them, that from the moment that they were conceived and even prior, he knew everything about them, ordained their plans, their footsteps that loved and cares for them so much that he knows the amount of hairs upon their head. And for some of us, that might be a lot. And for others like, like me, that might be a little less. But God loves us unconditionally. And we need to spread that to a generation. A generation that doesn't even know much about Noah's flood. That doesn't know much about any of the gospel any of the biblical stories. They might not even know what the Garden of Eden is or what we really mean when we talk about sin, the original sin. And so we got to start small with these people. But at the same time, 
we can't speak down to them we can't think about where they've been right we can't judge them and have that hometown disbelief just by what we see in them we have to see them as God sees them as capable as worthy as loved as cherished as children of the most high And I guess that really gets me to a point where we have to call out why this is so important. And so this might take a little bit of a different turn than how some of our other episodes are, but we need to talk about some things that are maybe going on out there in the world that maybe you're not even aware of. We need to talk about some current events that are going on. Because for those of us that know, for those of us that have read the word, for those of us with discernment, It'll be quite easy to understand why it is so important, so imperative to not give up when we're so close, when we're in the ninth inning and we can totally come out on top. See, I'd like to say that we're that generation that is the Matthew 24 generation. And when I say that, I mean... Jesus began to speak to the multitude that was there. He began to tell them of the signs of his coming, of what it would be like at the end of times. And he spoke in parables to them so that they would understand. But he also told his disciples that in those last days, there would be people pretending to be him. That there would be people saying that the Messiah is over here that the Savior of the world is now in the desert, that the Savior of the world is now upon the mountain, that he's here and that he's there, and there would be so many false messiahs, false Christs, false saviors that would declare themselves to be him. And you had to be cautious that you would have to watch out for it. He also warned us not only of that deception, but of the fact that there would be earthquakes in diverse places. There would be a multitude of volcanoes erupting all over the place. There would be great famines, wars, and rumors of wars. Brother would turn against brother, nation against nation. Culture against culture. Family against friend. Loved ones would turn their back on one another. There would be division within the church. And so Jesus outlined all of these things. But it doesn't seem like we really pay attention to them like we should. I know that not for paranoia or not for reasons to get anybody excited or concerned because I don't want anybody to live in fear. You don't have a spirit of fear. But these are things that we need to discuss. For example, there's been a multitude of large magnitude earthquakes rocking the entire Pacific plate. Multiple volcanoes have begun to go off. Volcanoes that have seemed to be dormant have now had earthquakes rocking within them, 
climbing higher and higher and higher closer toward the surface, almost as if they're getting ready to move again. Volcanoes that scientists say haven't moved for thousands of years. Obviously, there's all kinds of rumors of wars. There's all kinds of, are we going to go to war with Taiwan to support Taiwan with China and Russia? Are we going to go to war through Ukraine against Russia? Iran is supposedly less than two weeks away from producing a nuclear bomb. Are we going to go to war with Iran in support of Israel? There's so many fronts, so many things that have people worried. But I think the biggest thing to worry about is the division that we're facing. See, when it says kingdom will rise against kingdom, it doesn't necessarily just mean that it's going to be Russia against the U.S., But that means culture against culture. Race against race. And it's because we allow this world to get us so divided. We're so manipulated. And we just begin to see into the disbelief, the dishonesty, that people in, whether it's our governments or political power or influential power, Hollywood, Bollywood, wherever it might be, they pit us against one another. Tell us that we hate one another. They try and divide us because United will be so successful, we'll be able to move mountains. But when we're divided, when we're torn apart, we're scattered just like the Israelites before they were able to enter into their homeland. Scattered. Just like the early fathers of the church, the disciples, after Jesus Christ was crucified and rose again. They all went their separate ways and they were trying to form the church and get things going, but the churches were trying to do things their own way and the Jews were coming against the Gentiles and there was so much division because it's what Satan wants. He wants to divide us. He wants to conquer us. The enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy and he's going to continue to be able to do these things unless our generation the Matthew 24 generation is willing to rise up is willing to go speak in those areas where we've been called to to not allow our disbelief in our own hometown to hold us back see we gotta be willing to do something Because if you're not willing to stand for something, just one thing, then you'll never amount to anything or stand for anything. 
You'll be wishy-washy. You'll go whichever direction people lead you to go. You'll be easily manipulated. Just like everybody that's already out there. Why do you think society is the way that it is? Why do you think there's so much going on? The earth is groaning and crying out in pain because of the blood of the innocent that's been shed and spilled upon it. Planned Parenthood just recently put out an article touting how many babies it murdered last year. Almost bragging. Bragging. How many innocent lives were terminated. That just blows my mind. And while I don't remember the exact figures, all of them directly off the top of my head, I know, you know, it was in the hundred thousands last year alone. And it came down to multiple babies a second. Not like one baby every 82 seconds, but like multiple babies per second were aborted were killed, were slaughtered. It's just absolutely disgusting. And then we wonder why earthquakes are running rampant and why they're, the entire earth is shaking. It can't hold back all of this sin anymore. The blood of the innocent are crying out unto God saying, where is my justice? The cup of iniquity is beginning to overflow. And it is the prayer of the saints alone, those that stand here in the body of Christ that are willing to cry out unto him that holds back the wrath of God. But I'm telling you, if we don't begin to do something, that wrath will be poured out. Otherwise, God would have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I know that I don't want to be the one that stands before God and says, Well, Father, I tried. You know, they just didn't want to listen. And him look at me and say, Well, did you really, though? Did you really? Did you really try? Or did you just let someone else's idea of you? someone else's disbelief in you? Did you listen to your hometown that said you wouldn't amount to anything? Conquer and rule over what I told you you could do? See, when I get to heaven, I want to get a well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to be met with a Well, you barely made it. I want to make sure that I'm reaching out and doing everything I can to reach this generation, this lost and dying generation that's just looking for hope. Because just like you're going through trials, just like you're resolving and dealing with disbelief in your hometown, They're going through the same thing, but they don't have 
the knowledge and wisdom of God to help them. Think about that for a second. Where do you think you would be right now if you didn't have God sharing you one? Saying, don't worry about what they think. This is all about me. It's for my glory. It's because of what I called you to do. Where do you think you'd be if you didn't have that? Would you still be talking to your coworkers about it? Would you still be handing out those pens or those bookmarks? Would you still be talking to people at the gas station about God? Or would you be giving up? Would you be wallowing in your own self-worth? We wonder why we have so many kids in the United States and around the world committing suicide at such young ages. It's because we've allowed society to dictate who they are, what they should be, what the true idea of love is. Instead of going back to what the Bible says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. But see, that's where we get things wrong. We look at these young kids and we want to hold things over their heads. We want to tell them that they're not good enough. I'm not saying we need to give them participation trophies, because let me tell you, kids, they they need a wake-up call. But they do need some love. I see too many people out there that are hurting and heartbroken. That are just really looking for some love. They're looking for someone to believe in them. They're looking for hope. someone to tell them that they can do it because they're not hearing that still small voice he says my sheep will know my voice as I call out to them but too many people in this world don't know what his voice sounds like they don't hear it because they're too caught up in society My encouraging word to you is to be different than the people in your hometown. To be a little bit better than those around you than just to look at those that are up and coming and telling them they can't do it or snobbing or sticking your snoot up. It's whatever they're trying to do. Be an encouraging word to them. that's what this generation needs this generation needs some hope it needs something to believe in and if we don't believe in them they're never going to trust us enough to believe in God they're never going to believe us enough to understand what it is that we're trying to teach them 
and then we will see that big falling away. But if we start with a little bit more belief, and we start with a little bit more hope, then we'll get to see that Joel chapter 2 generation. That generation of young kids and handmaids crying out unto God. Crying out and performing miracles greater than what Jesus himself had done. Prophesying in the name of God. Moving mountains. Setting the captives free. And I don't know about you, but that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that generation. I can't wait to see what God has done what God is willing to do. But it all starts with me and you. It starts with each and every one of us, the leaders and the regular people that are right in the pews. It starts with each and every one of us. You just have to be willing to believe in someone, to have hope for someone who can't have belief or hope in themselves. So I encourage you, don't be part of that disbelief. Be part of that belief. Until next time.